Thank you for those songs. <laughs> and I appreciated Josh's devotional, a look at the future where we shall see his face. He especially mentioned that. And you know, the Bible says that nobody has ever seen God's face, but someday we will. We'll see his face. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. This morning we looked at Israel in prophecy. This evening we'd like to look at the church in prophecy. The prophecies of both Israel and the church are negative before positive, in a sense. That is, troubles before glory. Israel today is in unbelief. But the Bible tells us numerous times, as we noticed this morning, that the time will come after they have suffered, and they have suffered for many, many years in many ways, but the time will come when they will recognize their Messiah and believe and turn to him. The church in prophecy will see a great falling away apostasy before the final day of glory. During the last 2,000 years, the church has been the primary focus 
as the people of God. Whereas before that, it was primarily the Jewish people. They were God's chosen nation. In the last 2,000 years, the primary focus as the people of God, so to speak, my term, um, are the Gentiles. And, or I should say, the church of Jesus Christ, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. It's the church. Anyone who believes, any nationality, any race, anyone. We live in what the Bible calls the times of the Gentiles. In Luke 21, 24, Jerusalem will be trampled by Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. And that time is coming to a close. We don't know just when. I personally think it may be very, very soon. God has not forgotten Israel, but he's planned that there would be a time when the focus would be more on the Gentiles. And you and I are experiencing the benefits of that. Most of us here this evening, or all of us, are Gentiles. We're not Jews. And so we can praise God and thank him that uh, God has given us the opportunity to know him and to be a part of his special people. <coughs> Romans 11, verse 11. I say then, have they, the Jews, uh, Israel, the Jews, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid. But rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. And so we can praise God that he has extended his mercy and grace to us as Gentiles. But we want to talk about the church, which, like I said, is not just Gentiles. It's all believers, whoever they are. The church in prophecy. And so uh, could we say current prophecy, if there is such a thing, current prophecy, uh, that which is prophesied, which is happening currently uh, in relation to the church, is what I mentioned a bit ago, the great falling away, great apostasy. Let's again turn to a number of scriptures this evening in our Bibles, 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and verse 1. He says, now the spirits expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And he goes on talking about some of the things that they will say and do and so forth. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians, just back a couple pages. 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2 and verse 3. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will, come, will not come unless the falling away comes first. 
And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. And then he goes on talking about the man of sin and so forth. Now, you may say, oh, wait a minute. That day will not come. The day, what day? The day of the coming of the Lord? That day will not come before there's a falling away and the man of sin be revealed. And so you say, no, wait a minute, John. Uh, so we have to know who the Antichrist is before Jesus can return? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> um, for a couple of reasons. Like I said this morning, it's important that we do not say this and this and this has to happen before Christ returns. Um, I'm not going to take much time to go into this, but in the first two verses of chapter 2, um, I would take it that what he's, if we look at those verses carefully and study them in light of numerous other scriptures, I would take it that the day that he is talking about in verse 3 is the time when Jesus will come to earth as judge and to reign here, which is, as, as my, in my understanding of the scriptures, is a different time, is later than when he comes to take his saints home to glory. And I, we will talk about that a little more a little later this evening. And so that day will not come unless there's a falling away first, and that's the part of this verse that I want to, uh, to focus on. So again, he's talking about the, in the latter times, in the last days, there will be a falling away. And we see that in our times. And some may say, well, but hasn't there always been apostasy in the church? Yes, there has. You know, in the first couple hundred years after Christ, it didn't take very long until there was a lot of apostasy in the professing Christian church. And I haven't studied early church history like some people have. I, I know not very much about it, but it's my understanding that, you know, time didn't go very long at all after Christ went back to glory until there was a lot of apostasy in the church. And it wasn't... When was the time of uh, Constantine? And was that 300? More or less. So, you know, it wasn't very long, just a couple hundred years. And then we have the time of the, you know, the Middle Ages, and we have uh, the time of the Reformation, and it wasn't long after the Reformation until, you know, there was a going back and a going away by some. And so, yes, there has been. But the Bible seems to indicate that in the last times there will be a special great falling away by professing Christians. And I believe we're seeing that in the day in which we live. It seems we are seeing an increase of those who have a form of godliness, but that's about all. They profess to be Christians, but, but. Their lives don't show it. They don't live like Christians. <clears throat> Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 3. But know this, that in the last days perilous, dangerous times will come. 
For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, heady, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Oh, yeah, we know Christ. Yeah, we know God. Uh-huh, yeah. But denying the power thereof and not walking with him daily, not living lives. And he says, from such people turn away. And we have many in the world today, in professing Christendom today, who say, just believe. It doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. You know, <laughs> you're one of God's children. And that's not what the New Testament teaches. Over and over and over again in the New Testament, it talks about obeying his commandments. And many of those that I was just talking about, they, oh, we don't want to hear about that. <clears throat> Titus, turn on back about one more page. Titus 1, verse 16. They profess to know God, but in works, in the way they live, in what they do, they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. I don't know where you could find a scripture more clear than that verse. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him. And God doesn't have anything good to say about him in this passage. <coughs> well, and so... Uh, it's what I called current prophecy, the falling away. Let's move on. Future prophecy. The next big event we are anticipating is what we call the rapture. Some people like that word and use it, and some people don't like that word, and that's okay. Um, I'm not going to fuss over terminology. The word rapture has the idea of catching away. We are to be, he will come again and we will be caught up together with him in the clouds. And that's where we get the word rapture. It's not really found in the scripture in the English Bible as such. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. <clears throat> As I said a bit ago, many Bible scholars use the term rapture to indicate this coming event when Jesus will come in the clouds of heaven and all the saints will go up to meet him in the air. <clears throat> and then the term the second coming, which many people use to uh, interchangeably with the rapture, um, technically, I think, is a better term for when Christ will come with his saints later to judge the wicked and to reign on the earth. And <clears throat> I'll explain just a little bit. Um, 
where it talks about the, the rapture, the Bible says that Jesus will come in the clouds to receive his saints, and we will go up to meet him up there in the air. I take that to mean somewhere in the atmosphere. <laughs> if he is in the clouds, and we are going up to meet him in the air. But after the great tribulation on the earth, Christ will come again with his saints, not to receive his saints, not to get his saints, but with his saints, the Bible says, um, in power and great glory to judge and to reign on the earth. And in connection with that, the Bible says that his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives and he will reign in Jerusalem. And so... Um, I prefer to call that, that time, the second coming. And what we're looking for next is the rapture. However, like I said, I'm not going to quibble about terms. And so that's whatever. But after the rapture, after we go to be with Christ in glory, at some time there will be what the Bible calls the marriage supper of the Lamb. Again, the Bible doesn't say exactly when that will be. I tend to think that it will be somewhere during those seven years of tribulation period uh, here on earth when the saints go back to heaven to glory uh, between there and when Christ comes back to earth with his saints, that time when we're in glory with him, a great, possibly seven years of marriage supper of the Lamb, but I don't know exactly when it will be and how it will be because the Bible doesn't give details about the marriage supper of the Lamb. It doesn't say just when it will be. But uh, <clears throat> it, the Bible talks about it in Revelation chapter 19. and We may turn to that a little bit later. But it will be a glorious celebration, a glorious time when the bride and the groom finally are together. You who, who are married, you, you who are here who are married, um, know what that's like. When you're anticipating that time and finally you're together. Finally the day has come. The wedding day and the marriage, the marriage supper. What a glorious time that will be. The song we just sang when I first came up here. What a day that will be. <clears throat> in Revelation chapter 22, verse 4, as Brother Josh read, they will see his face. We may need to suffer a lot more on this earth, yet we don't know how much. It's possible we may need to suffer a lot. <clears throat> we may need to endure things that are not fun, but a glorious day is coming when we will be with our Lord. Share in his glory 
and rejoice in the delight of being with him. I'll confess for myself, and I'm guessing that you're just as human as I am. (laughs) We go about our daily work, our daily tasks, and we think about things here, and we don't think enough. We don't get excited enough about the, the future when we will be with our Lord. That day when we will see his face, it's, it's perhaps difficult for us here on this mundane earth, in our mundane human lives, to get as excited about that as we should. That's one of the reasons why we need to study prophecy. <laughs> Studying prophecy and the future, and what God is going to be doing, and his plan for the future, and so forth, helps me to become more excited about the future. (coughs) Well, then comes the time, somewhere after Christ takes his bride back to glory, then... Sometime after that, um, there is that, that time of, of great tribulation on the earth. We already talked a little about that. When the Antichrist will um, make a covenant with Israel for seven years, but halfway through, he will break that covenant. And he will uh, bring great persecution and troubles for Israel. Now, there are some who feel like perhaps that great time of tribulation may begin before the rapture, and uh, I don't know. That's possible, but I'm not looking for anything other than the rapture, (laughs) and uh, so if, if you feel like it might be that way, that's okay. But just don't be looking for the great tribulation rather than looking for the rapture. <laughs> but then after, um, after that seven years or however long, then after Christ comes again to earth uh, to reign here, the Bible says he will come and judge the wicked Uh, bring judgment, various judgments and so forth, but then he will reign for a thousand years and we will return with Christ to this earth to reign with him over the nations of this earth for a thousand years. A time of joy and peace and harmony that this earth has not seen for 6,000 years since the Garden of Eden. And the scriptures imply that the creation will be restored to that initial Garden of Eden, blissful, perfect condition. And I'd like to just, again, turn to a number of scriptures. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. 
And this, this is uh, the saints in heaven, the four and twenty elders, and so forth. In verse 8, the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. And verse 9, they sung a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And so these are saints in heaven who have already gone to heaven, and they are from every tribe and nation, you know, it's all races and so forth, uh, of, of saints, believers in heaven. Verse 10, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. And these are people who have already gone to heaven. And they say, we shall reign on the earth. Future. Revelation chapter 20. <coughs> Verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on him so that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years were finished. But after these things, he must be released for a little while. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And let's go on to verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. There are some who believe and if they are brothers and sisters in the Lord and walking with the Lord, then uh, it's okay with me if they don't uh, see everything in prophecy the way I do. That's fine. <laughs> but there are some who would say, um, this isn't a literal thousand years. Well, be that as it may. But I'd like to point out in the last part of verse 2, it says a thousand years. In verse 3, the latter part, it says a thousand years. In verse 4, at the end of verse 4, it says 1,000 years. In verse 5, it says 1,000 years. And in the last part of verse 6, it says 1,000 years. And in the first part of verse 7, it says 1,000 years. I don't quite understand why God would have said 1,000 years. One, two, three, four, five, six times here in six or seven verses, if he didn't mean 1,000 years. But be that as it may. <clears throat> Let's go on. Let's go back to the book of Micah, the Old Testament. <clears throat> the book of Micah, chapter 4. Micah 4, verse 1. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days, when? The latter days, that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow 
to it. Many nations shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion the law shall go forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But everyone shall sit under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid, for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all people walk each in the name of his God. And I take that to mean present tense. All people are now walking in the name of his God. But we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. And I think this is a picture of when Christ will reign for a thousand years on this earth. A picture of peace. And no one will be afraid. You won't lock your house at night. Don't need to. (laughs) There's peace. There's righteousness in the earth and all of that. Let's go to the book of Daniel. Go back a little farther in the Old Testament. To the book of Daniel, chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, verse 44. And in the days of these kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Let's go to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel 7, verse 9. I watched till thrones were put in place and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow. The hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Let's go down to verse 13. I was watching in the night visions. Behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days. They brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. (coughs) Let's go on to verse 18. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom. Oh, first it was the Ancient of Days, then it was the Son of Man, and now it's the saints who will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. And let's go to verse 22. Until the Ancient of Days came and a judgment was made in favor of the saints of the Most High and the time came for the saints to possess the kingdom. And verse 27, Then the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. His kingdom (coughs) is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 11. 
These are Old Testament prophecies, and uh, some of these prophecies are uh, not as clear as some of the New Testament. It's a little more veiled language, perhaps, but nevertheless, I believe that some of these are talking about the same time, which is to come. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of counsel and might, spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. His delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his ears. And uh, I'm not sure if I should take time to read all of this. Verse 6, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young ones shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play by the cobra's hole and the weaned child shall put his hand in the viper's den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Is the earth full of the knowledge of the Lord today? No, not at all. There are many people around the earth who have not heard the gospel message. And he says, these days will be when the earth is full of the knowledge of the Lord. Well, we could go on. Um, I think we'll stop there. Now let's go over to the book of Matthew, New Testament. Matthew chapter 19. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 19, verse 28. Jesus said to them, Assuredly I say to you, that in the regeneration when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory... You who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus didn't explain that. He didn't tell us exactly how that would be. But he told his disciples that in the time when he will sit on the throne of his glory, is that the way he says it? Yes. That his 12 disciples would judge the 12 tribes of Israel. And so... We don't know much more about it than that, but that is interesting. Well, in the book of Isaiah, we're not going to turn to that one. Isaiah 24, verse 23, it speaks of when the Lord of hosts shall reign in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem. Then the Bible says that at the end of the thousand years of Christ reigning on the earth, Satan will be released for a short time, he, will be, he was bound during the thousand years. He will be released for a short time and he will go out to deceive the nations of the earth. And then he will make one last ditch effort to defeat his arch enemy, Christ. He will make one last huge effort. He will gather all of the armies of the world, of the earth, together to battle against the Lord. And will there be a great battle? No. 
The Bible says there won't be a battle. Fire will come down from heaven and destroy them. And Satan will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity, forever. This is not necessarily my subject this evening, but what a great Lord we have. Lord of all lords, King of all kings. And when Satan, who has tremendous power, when he comes against Christ, there's not even a battle. Our Lord, our Lord, will just defeat him like that. And he will be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. I know whose side I want to be on. <clears throat> Let's go to Revelation chapter 19, just very briefly. <clears throat> Revelation chapter 19, verse 17. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, Come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses, and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, and their armies gathered together to make war against him who sat on the, the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone, and the rest were killed with the sword, sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. But then I'd like to go on to chapter 20. And in this chapter, uh, beginning with verse 11, then we have the great white throne judgment. <coughs> I am inclined to think, and the Bible doesn't say this in so many words, but I am inclined to think that this great white throne judgment is a judgment of only the wicked. The saints will have gone to glory a while before this. And the wicked that are left here on the earth, then this is the judgment of the wicked. In this judgment, we find nothing about the righteous and so forth. Uh, Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, this is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And there have been those over time.
time, who have tried hard to, um, you know, their bodies were cremated or thrown into the sea or buried at some unusual place so that, you know, God can't get to them. It says the sea will give up the dead that's in it. And every other place will give up the dead that's in wherever it is. You cannot hide from God. And then let's go on to chapter 21. And here it says, Now I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. Not only will Satan be gone forever and all sin and the curse of this earth will be passed, then there'll be a whole new heaven and new earth. Verse 4 says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying, there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. And so everything is new. All the old has passed away, and everything is new. Most of us like new things. (laughs) They'll be new. Everything will be new, and it'll always be new. It won't get old. And so, in this chapter, he says, there'll be no more wearing out, no more deterioration, no more tears, death sorrow, crying, pain, wickedness, no temple, no sun, moon, no time, and no end. We will be face to face with God and the Lamb. We will serve them and we will enjoy the glory and the grandeur of the new Jerusalem throughout eternity. What a day that will be. God created man to fellowship with him and to glorify him. But man sinned and went away from God. For 2,500 years in the Old Testament, God chose a special people to work through to accomplish his purposes. But they went away from him, rejected him, and so forth. But in his mercy, he has an overall plan for humanity. And he planned that there would be a time of 2,000 years that he would focus more on the Gentiles. And near the end of time, he will again resume his program, his plan for Israel. And then it will be all believers, Jew and Gentile, all alike. And so now today, whether it's Jews, Gentiles, whether it's this nationality, this race, that race, whoever, we all have sinned. We all have gone away from God. There is none righteous. But our loving and merciful Heavenly Father provided a means for us, Jews and Gentiles alike, to be his children to know him, to come back to him and experience the glories 
of heaven (coughs) and his presence throughout eternity. Praise God for his glorious salvation. And so this evening, may we live pure and holy lives, ready for his return at any moment. May that be our life, our goal, our purpose, day by day, constantly. Wonderful plan of salvation that God has for us. His wonderful mercy, his wonderful grace. 